Welcome to the Jesus Said Love podcast. This is a space where we talk about what it means to awaken hope and empower change. Listen, for over a decade, Em and I have been fostering relationships with men and women who've been impacted by the commercial sex industry. And it's through those relationships that Jesus Said Love was born. We figured it was time to talk about what this ministry has taught us and is still teaching us along the way. I promise it's going to be a place of conversation and story. And we hope you learn something new. Maybe you see something in a new way. Fun fact, you're going to hear music because Brett and I are musicians. Yep. We can't just talk. Nope. we got to sing and play too. We do. Here's the deal, guys. Our hope is that as you hear these stories, that you'll tap into your own story and that you'll be encouraged to live and love well like Jesus. Okay, so we are catching up on part two of our episode with the, the Dan and Becky Allender. That's right. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. Yeah. The question is, are the listeners ready? Hey, we're going to go there. We're going to talk about how in this episode, sexual abuse impacts intimacy and relationships in marriage. Get ready. Let's go. Moving into the realm of intimacy and the realm of marriage, can you talk to us about, you've each shared a little bit just of the fact that you both had um, abuse in your homes, um, you both experienced violations in your body. What does this mean for two people coming together to try to do an intimate marriage? No, and our listeners can't see, but I'm I'm turning to my wife. <laughs> you take that one, babe. I, I, I will. I will. Well, I think, in some regard, we were two kids who had not been attuned to, and so our new attachment with one another was really, really good and safe and. Um, Central D, fabulous. It was yeah. great sex. Yeah. Until <laughs> we totally get. I mean, we get this. Keep going. Yeah, it, it, honestly, it was until life showed up. Yep. Which happened to be jobs and exhaustion and children, 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 yeah, children, children. You know, and then or miscarriages, miscarriages, and, 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 and some, infertility. Yeah, I, I think in some ways our, our early sexual world, you can say at one level was just such a gift from God, mm. but also sort of a dissociative haze. Yeah. Uh, because we didn't really have enough life yet to disrupt, but another way of saying that, to bring the other things to the surface. Mm. So I think our, uh, probably our biggest war initially was miscarriages uh, and infertility. Mm. And that brought a whole host of of, of wars mm. for us. Because what is that in your body? And I'm, as, a, as someone who's lost and miscarried before, um, what did that do in you, Becky, as a woman? Well, I I felt like it was all my was only it was up to me. It like no one else was going to help this process. So I did the temperature. I hmm. um, just expected Dan, you know, would say, "Okay, I know you have to leave for class at six mm-hmm. in the morning, so we're going to get 
4.30. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I I mean, I was so desirous to have another baby. Oh, sex on demand initially was (laughs) fabulous. Like like I can remember to this day her showing up at my office at lunch. And it was like, (laughs) you're bringing me lunch. And then looking at her going, ah, it's really not about food. (laughs) Yep, we did all that. I love it. But after a while, Mm. um, it was like, no. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many men actually ever feel used, but I felt used. Wow. And it's it's the early beginnings for me, I, even though not then at all, but I think just the early beginnings of this parallels something else in my life. Uh-huh. But I didn't have the integrity or knowledge to connect that to past abuse. But I think that period has, you know, it... it it brought things to the surface, but it also brought for both of us our stories to the surface. Mm. Mm-hmm. How did you begin engaging that story, Becky? I mean, as it, how do you do that? Um, actually, we had a a common older woman who was a trained therapist that came to a conference that Dan was doing and after our first breakfast together, because I knew the way he spoke about Pamela Reeve was that he really respected her. Mm. And we had breakfast and of course, Pamela and Dan talked the whole time. (laughs) And I was tending, you know, three month old Andrew. Mm. And um, when we finished and said goodbye, she said, by the way, I just really heard God say to me on the plane that the reason why I was coming to this conference was to meet Becky. Mm. So she said, I would, I would like to have breakfast with you tomorrow. Mm. And so she really helped. And, and she, it was like a curtain went around our table and I shared things with her. And afterwards she said, have you shared this with Dan? And I said, no, not everything. And she said, I, I want you to share with him. So I avoided her for three days at the conference. Yes, the classic. <laughs> and then uh, with a loaded tray of dinner for Dan and his uh, associate, she found me in the cafeteria and she said, did you share with Dan? And I said, no. She said, "I'm hey, I'm going to come to your room after the teaching tonight. Wow. So she really came and um, talked with both of us. Um, yeah, so she was a, a real face of God. Mm. She, 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 and I was angry at her at first because she said Becky said some things, and so I think you need to talk. And I was like furious. I hear it's two trained counselors, yeah, and they're they're making me talk. <laughs> I mean, I just wanted to kick their teeth out. I was yeah. that angry. And then she said, you know, I've got so much to do. You should see my desk at home. But she goes, I don't need to fly home tomorrow. I can just sit here. I have all the time in the world. I'll just sit here because I really want you to talk. So, wow. man, I thought I better start talking fast. <laughs> so this lady can leave. How do so, I get her out of here? <laughs> so afterwards, after a couple of hours, it seemed like nothing. Dan said, um, I've made a living out of finding the specks in people's living rooms, but I've missed the boulder in my own home. Wow. Wow. So, so we, we began some hard work after that. And this yeah. is when your young parents 
I mean, mm-hmm. but you're yeah. doing, yeah, you're doing this work of counseling or you're, you're in the therapeutic world. And I just, I just want to say, if there's hope for you guys doing this, there's, there's hope for all of us too, because mm-hmm. even if you have all the degrees and all the language and for everyone else, mm-hmm. it's still such brave and courageous work to see the log in your own eye. Like, wow. Wow. That's so encouraging. I just, I just have to say, um, these conversations in marriages where intimacy is what we're craving, but it's also what we're running from because we, we don't know how to do it. And conflict is part of intimacy. Amen. That's such a, such a lovely, but difficult sentence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the process, even though we're, we're covering it in seconds, you know, it's tumultuous. Uh, there have just been seasons where we knew that we could not be sexual mm. and still honor one another. Yeah. And those periods, uh, sometimes weeks, uh, sometimes months, um, I look back on and go, oh, it was miserable. Mm. But the benefit of actually engaging the things that are dividing us and dividing and fragmenting our own heart. Mm. Uh, the healing is such that it, it, it's worth the hard work, mm. given the fact that the freedom sexually, intimately, conversationally, uh, you know, there is a level of freedom we have even as an older couple mm. than we would have had 35 years ago. Mm. And that, that, it gets, wor- it gets better and it gets worse simultaneously. Okay. And I think that's what we don't tend to say often enough in the Christian community. Look, you don't get over living in a fallen world, but you can grow in the middle of it. But it doesn't take away the scars, but it allows the scars to become more beautiful. Mm. I just want to cry. I just, I think 2020 has been mm-hmm. so hard. I mean, it... It has been so, so hard on so many multiple levels. And I'm watching, you know, marriages like crumble. I'm watching my own marriage have hard conversations and the stress level of raising children and dealing with what they're dealing with. And and now we've got a virtual school and then race riots and and all the political unrest. Um, these are these are times where it's like pressure cooker. And so I think that because in the pressure cooker, everything's coming to the surface, you know, the steam's coming out, um, we're forced to reckon with. It's really a time of reckoning in all church, um, marriages, friendships. um, There's so much reckoning happening. And I think the easy way out is to say, I'm done. Mm My heart is cold, and I'm I'm just out of energy. You know, um, how do we? If you're feeling like that, I mean, maybe maybe we have listeners who are like, I'm there. I'm there in my own marriage. I've acknowledged there's addiction at play, or there's um, you know hidden trauma, trauma I've never named. There's sexual trauma, and I'm just now uncovering it and understanding why, or anxiety and depression. What in a marriage, how do we re-engage when we're so freaking tired? What do we do? 
how do we do this? Well, uh, uh, trauma generates trauma. Mm. And I don't mean by that it creates it, it exposes it. So here's the dilemma. A lot of what people are suffering, yes, is very tied to this crazy, crazy new world. However, a lot of what we're actually doing war with mm. uh, is trauma we've not addressed from sexual trauma to issues of abandonment to unresolved and unaddressed shame, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it, you're asking such a brilliant question because it looks like, how do we just survive? And so I can hear somebody saying, yeah, I might have abuse in my past, but you're, you're asking me to address that in the midst of this current day? Mm-hmm. Good luck. <laughs> but here's the dilemma. Uh, what you suffered 30 years ago and the patterns you developed, and some were really for survival, but they have not enhanced, grown, and given freedom to your life. So, yeah, you got to deal with the present, but let's give up any illusion. It's going to get better. Mm. You know, like once we get a vaccine, it's all going to be better. Yeah. Well... Uh, again, uh, depending on your viewpoint, you know, the, the notion that we're going to have a vaccine by the end of October. Madness. The fact that <laughs> no, even if we had it, it they this, said it would be there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I mean, look, it, unless Amazon takes over distribution, uh, you know, it's going to take I mean, the government's going distri- to distribute. Yeah. yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be done in a week or two. Uh, again, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. If they just turn it over to Amazon, which obviously Trump <laughs> wouldn't do given his hatred of Bezos, uh, uh, there might be the possibility of having 300 or six, 600 million hits uh, that, that, that's delivered in the next three to six months. But all that's to say, normal is whatever is now. Mm. So, you know, if you're waiting in the illusion Mm. that it's going to get better, uh, you know, the people who went through the Great Depression, Mm. they never went back to normal. People who went through World War II, they never went back to normal. Mm. There's always a new world to have to engage. Mm. And it's going to have levels of economic, relational, spiritual consequences. I mean, uh, Becky, I, I won't go into detail, but Becky just gave me an article about a, a strong evangelical pastor preparing his congregation for the eventual civil war. I just want to go, are you out of your freaking <laughs> mind? You know, and again, uh, I'm stepping into politics. Somebody who believes in QAnon <laughs> needs, to have, it needs to be just <laughs> taken to the shed. To be addressed with that level of madness. Like, I mean, good God, do you believe in the Easter Bunny? Uh, but uh, all to go on to say, if you don't deal with trauma today, uh, then how about tomorrow? And if not tomorrow... I just want to... It's going to have to be addressed. It's like a bad tooth. Yeah, it's going to cost you a lot of money. You don't have the time. So... Are you just going to take more aspirin? So the day will come. The day of reckoning will come where you need to engage what's actually causing you to be exhausted at the level you are. And again, I'm not saying it is not an exhausting period, but there are other issues that are actually exacerbating that. Mm. 
you know, and, and the choice is if we ignore, um, we, I mean, there, there's so many consequences to just ignoring and putting it on the back burner and keeping our voices quiet. If you are a wife longing for more, you need to say that. If you are a husband desiring more, or if you are struggling with anxiety and depression, um, these these disruptions in our world are also, as you're saying, Dan, an invitation to look in the mirror and to find a new way. Jesus has always been making streams in the desert and growing flowers out of concrete. I mean, it is that beauty of we can create new worlds um, and new ways. We're not bound and captive to the chaos of our current day, even though we feel so exhausted. Becky, I'm curious about your journey and bringing your heart forward when your voice had been, if you take us back to that moment when the counselor encourages you to share, what what's happening in your in your body when you choose to step into that space with Dan? Um, it's getting easier, but it's still hard for me. Um, mm. And I really think Dan is really amazingly brilliant. And I, he would answer every question better, but, mm-hmm. but not as Becky. So what I need to do is not... Um, stomp on Becky all the time. (laughs) I need to realize that my voice, my thinking is good. Um, Mm. And that is um, not always easy for me, Mm -hmm. but I'm feeling more and more uh, encouraged by Jesus to Mm. um, just be me. I I can't Mm. be anyone else. So I might as well just (laughs) be me a bit more. Show up a bit more, not you know. So, so yeah. What do you do to give yourself courage? How do you find that? What are your practices that you that have helped you? Um. Well, I I do pray. I have a prayer group that I've been with for about twenty five years, and a Bible study with older women who are in their eighties. And I do yoga, and since COVID, Dan and I work out about three hours every morning. Oh, wow. So, um, well, I, I, I'll defend to okay. say, in the span of three, if I worked out for three hours yeah, in, in a row at my age. Well, I, okay, we, we do. Yeah, and part of that's yoga and bicycling stuff. So, yeah, walk. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really feel like there's, there's more um, like guardrails at my stage to say, yes, I've got friends who will encourage me just to like, you're doing a good job. You know, stepping into this work of leading story groups is amazing. And um, it also, you know, by the grace of God, you know, it's wonderful, but, but yeah. it's still scary. And I'll just add that, yeah. that it, she has had so many people over the years say I love your writing. Why don't you write a book? And, you know, I I must have said that somewhere (laughs) in the realm of about two billion times. But this is where no marriage is enough. 
you, you right. need a community. And oh. I think it was after. Uh, yeah, there's lots of people that would say, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. And then finally Dan said, like, yeah, it'd be great if you help me out here with some of the earning of <laughs> the, the food that we need to eat. <laughs> Do your part. Yeah, right, right. Not that she hasn't already in a thousand ways. <laughs> that's, that's the funny thing. Uh, well, I remember hearing, um, you know, it's funny cause I don't, I don't know you guys on a personal level, um, very, very well, but when I heard you, I guess it was a couple of years ago when conferences were still a thing and What's we were still able uh-huh. to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, you spoke at Bravon in Austin, Texas, the Bravon by Red that Red Tent Living um, put on, and it was the first time that I'd been to a Christian women's conference in a long time because I kind of had a little bit of resistance there in my own journey of just avoiding some of that scene, and um, and it was a breath of fresh air that conference was, but your voice in particular um, was so articulate. And it was so um, kind, but strong. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking for us as women um, in my generation, um, there's a tendency that we think that to be um, a feminist or to be, you know, empowered means we're, we have to be just a badass boss babe kind of you know, and carry that around. And I just love the beauty that you hold of kindness and wisdom and yet strength and power. Um, and just your ability, quite frankly, to stand with Dan for this long. Because, and I can say that only because I don't know you personally, but I know your podcast and I hear you guys grapple with these issues. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying what you haven't already said. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Um, Brett, further questions on just intimacy. Yeah, what do we want to so ask? So many. I just listened to your podcast on, um, oh gosh, what was the title? It was with your friends that you fish with and, um, you know, it was Steve and Lisa. Yes, Cole. You guys, yeah. you yeah. know, being locked up in your house for 50 plus days and how you typically, <laughs> you know, Dan, you're on the road and, and Becky, you're at home and you, you know, it's kind of like this, I have my space and you come home for a little bit and it's great. And then you're back on the road and. Um, man, I just, um, I just loved listening to that. I loved listening to the fact that you guys are further down the road than us and you still struggle with stuff as well, but you're willing to address that. And I think, you know, I think there's so many folks in marriages who get to a point where it's, I think we got this. I I I think we're okay. And it's almost like when you get to that point, it's the kiss of death or it's the kiss of boredom which then is the kiss of death, you know? And I want to keep Mm -hmm. fighting for, not fighting with, but fighting for a better me so that we can have a better we. Yeah, that's beautifully put. Uh, The the fact is we're supposed to be like Jesus. And uh, 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 quite apparently, I have a long way to go. (laughs) (laughs) So a marriage is meant to be the context where we grow one another's image bearing. And Mm. uh, I mean, nobody on the face of the earth, not even 
I mean, honestly, not within thousands of miles, has given me more of a taste of heaven and hell mm. uh, yeah. than Becky. <laughs> and and yeah. no one allures me. Uh, uh, mm. No one whose touch, whose words speak the same level of life. So, mm. you know, I mean, I, I hope we get to live 20, 30 more years. But, mm. but if I were to die tomorrow, I, I would still say I, I've been one of the most amazingly blessed men that I somehow mm. conned her into marrying me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, that's hilarious. Um, and you know, beautiful. going back to um, <laughs> going back to we're in this pandemic and things are weird. I, as you as you were talking a little <laughs> bit back, I was thinking, what better time to just go ahead and jump into the pool of Let's let's deep dive on our marriage here. Where where are you not happy? Mm-hmm. And Emily and I have kind of been in this tumultuous little phase of just, you know, just trying to rediscover and reconnect. I mean, we've been at we work together, we live together, we parent together. It's like we have to find time to not be together so that we don't kill each other. But um we've been having these hard conversations and we have two green chairs in our mm-hmm. little sitting room where we like to sit and I wrote in my journal the other day, um, green chair conversations. And as much as I hate it, when I, when I sit in my green chair and then I see her sit down, I almost am like, buckle up. Here we go. We're about to have a green chair conversation. (laughs) And see, she's a one on the Enneagram. So I know it's going to come from a place of judgment and she's trying to fix me. And I'm an eight on the Enneagram. So I'm like vulnerability. Hell no, I'm not going there with you. (laughs) But it is as horrible as it's been. It's been so wonderful. And I almost thank yeah. the pandemic for inviting us into that space because I really believe it was the catalyst for this time. And so if you're mm. out there in your marriage, um, have mm. some green chair conversations. They're not fun and they're hard, but I think the fruit mm. they bear that they're continuing. And I know we have more to come. We may have one tonight. Who knows? I mean, it's been that kind of a Saturday, <laughs> but I'm finding my space of welcome with that now. Whereas... Mm-hmm. Heck, even five years ago, I'd have been like, oh, my gosh, are we really doing this again? Mm-hmm. Can't we just have fun or go have sex or something? <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, look, when, when there's chaos, people resort to more dogmatism. Uh, when there's more insanity, people want black and white answers. Biden is of the devil. Trump is <laughs> evil. Uh, and you go... They're both politicians. You don't want to go out to eat with them. Uh, so the, the bottom line is when you give up like quick pat answers, when you give up simple solutions, but let yourself have a commitment to wisdom, to literally grow in wisdom together. It is not a singular, simple, linear path. Uh, it, it's got a lot of turns and twists. And it, but will you stay in it? It's kind of like what we learned with regard to parenting three adolescents when we had them. Uh, you know, we screwed up so bad, it's unbelievable. They should have put both of us in jail and her longer than me. Um, but the bottom line is, we didn't make the one mistake that would have been deadly, and that's to quit. Mm. There is so much um, temptation there. To do that, and and I just want to acknowledge that you can you can quit and literally walk out and and file file for the divorce papers, 
but equally as deadly is the walkout to close your heart off. There are marriages that have lasted 50 years that I wouldn't want to be in any more than I wanted to be at a swamp in Florida (laughs) in June. Um, You know, disgusting. Like, how dead can you get? What a whitewashed tomb, if you will. Um, You know, I, I I don't want that either. And so there is a way... If you're if you're stuck, um, there's a way to bring your heart forward, but it does require acknowledging your story and acknowledging what this marriage and what the particulars of that little conversation at the dinner table made you so mad and why. Like why? What happened? Get curious with it. Love is so curious, and I think that's one of the things your work has taught me is how curious. Love is, and it's okay to be curious. It doesn't mean you're bad to ask questions, and it doesn't mean you're bad to have longing. You know, like there's so many of us who want so much and who have these longings of our hearts, and we just don't know how to bring that forward because we've been hurt. What words of hope do you have to give those of us who are tired but still longing? Well, I would repeat what you just said to be curious there the mm. to um yeah and that has to open your heart to be curious i mean you have to have an open heart so even if your heart is closed maybe be curious about yourself yeah. like what what has happened to me what has mm. caused me to not even be curious of me you know that mm. that that again is kindness to yourself you have to start with kindness First and foremost, I think, for any movement mm. ever. Well, and it, mm. you've got Romans 2, verse 4, that says, it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Mm. And repentance isn't feeling bad for what you've done. It's, it's in one sense, receiving the invitation to join God at a party that he throws in your honor. So mm. to, to repent is to return it's to participate in the in the party of God. And so, you know, there's nobody who asked me to repent as deeply and lengthily as Becky. And as a result, I think we have more fun. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, it's, it, this isn't just a serious, scholarly, hard, oh, more pain, more pain. It's like what you're describing, you know, in the beginnings of your taco morning. Um, you know, we laugh a lot. I mean, she hides in closets and scares me. That, I still think, after 44 years of marriage, is like one of the most bizarre things in the world. Like, I know she's going to end up killing me. No, 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 no. I'm clearing out your arteries. That's what she said. Listen, That's I know, Emily, sca- she scares the cr- Like, I say I more bad words when she, it's just stupid. <laughs> I don't want to skip over, though, Dan, because I am a recovering Southern evangelical Baptist, Texas, repent is, that's a scary word because it it brings, it brings shame. Why in the hell Mm. did you do that? Um, Mm. Never in my, never in, I've never heard it phrased the way that you just said that. Repentance is God's party for you. Like what a, Mm. let's, I don't, I don't want anybody to miss that out there. That is so participate in the party of God. That's that makes, so great. That makes you want to repent. So Let's great. go to a party and, and <laughs> celebrate the fact that we don't have to do what we did. 
It's not about don't do it. Mm-hmm. It's that we don't have to. It's like, it's right. like Jesus with that woman caught in adultery and those dudes are going to stone her and, you know, he's writing their sin in the sand. So they think, and, and the, the guys leave in shame. And, and all of a sudden he says to her, you've been forgiven. Now go and sin no more. And it's, you've been mm-hmm. forgiven. So go and sin no more. Cause you don't have to, you don't have to, because you've been forgiven, not, you know, that dogmatic, you know, keep it between the lines, girl. Don't be kissing five guys. You just need to stay. You know, it's you have been forgiven. And now you get to go and sin no more. That's so liberating. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, grief, grief is really part of the process we know neurologically. Uh, I mean, it's been shown on so many different levels and studies. You shut down grief, you shut down joy. You shut mm. down the ability to suffer. You shut down the ability to know true play and pleasure. So w- what all we're asking is, will you let your heart flourish uh, and receive, uh, grieve and laugh. Death and resurrection are literally, in the story of Jesus, always tied together. The resurrection does not erase death. The death does not obscure the resurrection. So we're meant in our marriage and our friendships to hold death and resurrection. I mean, this morning, uh, I was not really fond about sucking through the (laughs) shop vac, vac, but it was like, no, I I need you to do this. I don't want to go in the garage and work out with you and know that there are all these creepy things. It's like, but they're not near the equipment. (laughs) So, I mean, just little tension points to go, no, I want to participate in my wife's death mm. here. And in that sense of mm. she suffers with this. I want to join her. And yeah, I don't want to do the vac, but I'm, I can. Mm. And I think actually this afternoon I'm supposed to do more. <laughs> I know. He finished in five minutes and I was, I was vacuuming his office and, and like not even a third of the way done. I'm like, yeah. no, I don't think I so. said, I'm done. I she goes, so. you can't be. <laughs> and, then, and then the best phrase was, if I walk around the garage, will I be pleased? And I just sort of went, no. <laughs> well, then we have work this afternoon. <laughs> I love the honesty and the transparency. And I think those of us who are, you know, not as far along as you guys are in your marriage can just be so refreshed mm-hmm. and find so much hope that you can still be so honest and so transparent with just like the little idiosyncrasy kind of moments in our lives. Look, hiding in a closet isn't idiosyncrasy. It's, it's pathological. She's terrifying. She is. And that, and that is why I wanted to marry her. I had that sense early on that, yeah. that there was this intersection of ferocity and kindness, mm, which I think so is the very character of God. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. Any um, any last thoughts as we leave, Becky, and what you want to gift to our listeners as they're grappling with hope and um, maybe sexual abuse in their past? Um, I would say, again, when you feel shame and you feel guilt and you are um, hard on yourself, that is not the voice of God. That is the accuser. And so you need to just be really aware of what's coming at you, what tone of voice, and you need to not listen to that one. You need to listen to the kind one. And if you don't hear it, you got to be curious why. You've got to ask someone to help you. 
to find yes. that kindness um, because that's what that's the joy that God wants us to have here mm. as his children. If you are curious about story work, as they've alluded to, or maybe you say, I don't know where to find that kindness. I don't know where to find that community. Um, the Allender Center has literally certified, I don't know, hundreds now of, of certified story workshop leaders who some in their own work in the world. I know I've benefited from Laurie Proctor and she's been on our podcast and her and Jean are doing, I was just a part of their coaching circle, which was wonderful. Um, but where can you guys are doing some stuff on marriage right now? You've got a course that's up, and then you also have um, story workshops um, that are up. And so, tell us where to find that. Uh, the Allender Center dot org. So just D H E, then Allender, and then Center dot org. Uh, and you know, I, I'm not sure it's the easiest website to motor around, but if you go to our offerings, uh, there are online courses plus some of, you know, we're not doing conferences, but we are doing right. online work uh, with story yeah. work. So, yeah, uh, the curious listener, yeah, they'll find it. I will say, too, I, I did um, a story workshop in Houston with you guys, and honestly, I didn't want to. I didn't want to at all. I'm like, that's not my thing. <laughs> I'm sitting with strangers and telling them a story from, you know, when I was eight, really. Uh it was amazing. And I know that when Emily did it, um, I saw a difference in her when she came home. She was a completely different person. Um, and she still is. And um, so we can't thank you enough for just making oh. a space for that um, that content. And Well, thank you. It, it's, uh, it's always good to be with allies. And yeah. uh, there are, frankly, from my standpoint, there are not a lot of people in the universe telling the truth, um, telling mm -hmm. enough of the truth, but also with that sense that I need the truth. I need the truth way more than those who I speak to. Um, so it's good. It's just good for our souls to be with you. Hey, thanks for joining the Jesus Said Love podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to awaken hope and empower change with us. We want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review Yes, because your voice matters. It's how we get this message into the world. And lastly, be sure to follow Jesus Said Love on Instagram and Facebook for up-to-date info. And visit the website at JesusSaidLove.com for how you can join the JSL fam. Until next time. Share the love.